0: a mammoth two-part uh, Rumble 2000 review is now in the books and Nathan has stopped yelling at me for going over and having a slip podcast again I'm back here with Rogue Retro Smackdown review you your host Scott McLeod here and we're getting into the post-Rumble episode of Smackdown the January 27th episode of Smackdown and I'm continuing the tradition I find people from Project that's joining me as one-third of the Worst Wrestling Podcast. Hopefully this isn't the worst Rogue Retro Smackdown episode we've done. as Damian from the Worst Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for joining me, man.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. We always we named it the Worst Wrestling Podcast. That way we can always strive to be better. And, <laughs> I mean, we're pretty mediocre. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, this was a lot of fun to go back. I haven't really gone back and watched a lot of these retro shows before. I... Um, it's since the WWE Network came out, like back in 2013 or whenever it was, and I started watching the 1997s, and oh boy, uh, this was a blast from the past.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, uh, I get a real mix when I bring uh, people on this show. You know, some people who remember it and like, oh god, yeah, I remember this, but then I've got friends of mine who started watching them in the mid 2000s who would have never seen this, and I can I can never tell which is more fun when having to explain. Uh, what's going on but i i do like to like ask people about when they would start watching and uh, relative to this period that we were talking about and uh you guys did an episode to uh, commemorate the undertaker he's like 30 year anniversary and I, I listened to that over on your feed i really enjoyed it and i remember you mentioning like watching like these stuff from the year before like ministry taker and the Chris. Of, of Austin, so I'm assuming uh, you would have been kind of firmly in your wrestling fandom at the period that we're talking about now in 2000.
1: Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, that's how I kind of got started. Was uh, the first memory I have of watching was the crucifixion of Stone Cold, and that that was such a classic moment. And going going ahead into 2000, I remember still being a massive fan, and I remember. Royal Rumble 2000, because I remembered the whole uh, Big Show Rock storyline, which we are right in the middle of on this, which is really, really fascinating to me, um, because they just failed at trying to convey the tie. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like there, there were, uh, I remembered everybody on the show. I remembered every single person, and I the one thing that stood out to me, uh, I remember fondly from watching back in the day, was the Mark Henry stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's the one thing that really stuck out that I remember vividly. So, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely something of like, oh, right. That did happen like <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I was going through it, but it was really entertaining.
0: Yeah, I, I'm quite <laughs> sad because, like, I was sometimes. So it was good you are a big fan of the Undertaker, and I'm quite sad that this, you happened to be joining me in that period where Takers uh, went away for an extended period of time. He won't be back until around about May 2000 when he finally debuts the American Badass gimmick.
1: Yeah, the um, the least favorite Taker for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not my favorite. It's uh. Excuse me, I have a tickle in the back of my throat. <laughs> but yeah, he was—he was not my uh, my favorite going back and watching, but I <laughs> loved him at that point.
0: I mean, I think everyone can agree the best taker is that brief beard as Phantom of the Opera taker with that mask they got thanks to Mabel's arse landing on his face.
1: Yeah, and we got a little bit of Mabel uh today which was um or in these episodes, excuse me. Which was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. I loved seeing uh Mabel. I or Visera as he was known as at this point. Definitely something um something that I look back on fondly and I mean, your favorite taker may be Phantom of the Opera, but mine is always going to be Ministry Taker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say
0: I wouldn't say it's my favorite. It's a it's a funniest takeer to look back at the, the Phantom of the Opera one. Believe well, me, mean, I've got my I've had my fair share of, of Viscera slash Mabel. The last couple of weeks we're coming off a, a King of the Ring 1995 watch along that we at the time recording did finished in like three or four days ago. We recorded that, and so I've had my fair share of of v- Viscera. and so I get to talk about him here again and. Hopefully, I won't have to think about him too much for longer. But
1: see, well. everybody has so much hate for Mabel and Viscera. I always enjoyed him, like that that spitting heel kick that he attempts to do all the time. That he just never could get his big ass off the ground for it was it was great.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I, I love Viscera. I sort of had this weird love for Viscera. I the other main podcast that I, I work with, uh, Eat Sleep play we tweet a couple of days like. A couple of me and a couple of guys have been doing a thing where we just keep mentioning Viscera and sliding Viscera into every like podcast, no matter what the subject matter, like his <laughs> biggest accomplishment was somehow managing to get Viscera, and when we were discussing 205 Live somehow, I can't even remember how he managed that, and so it was technically a Christmas special of our podcast a couple of the guys are doing an episode all about Viscera
1: Oh my god, that's great, I love it
0: <laughs> A podcast like almost two years in the making, and <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're going to do for it. But I'm just—I'm definitely going to be listening to it.
1: <laughs> I mean, what they do is just include all the Viscera bits from the past two years. Like you just throw them all in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but we'll we'll delve into the episode as a whole. And um, I watched the the raws to give some context to some people because they may be watching just the Smackdowns and have a bit a bit out of the loop about what's happening and so Raw opened with Triple H talking about the big match Captain Jack I think we discussed it on the Rumble 2000 review about how this was a big making moment for Triple H as a, a main event heel like, and how well Nick Foley helped put him over and mm-hmm. he Triple H comes out putting over Captain Jack like you're the sickest person I've been around he looks like he's putting over Captain Jack giving me two then he just bragging about how he's still jangles. I proved. I'm just that bit more statistically. I'm just that bit better than you. And a weird category that truly still insists on trying to get over the same view that I am that damn good. And like, he's been doing that since very early in this review, and I feel like Regina George and Mean Girls like, like
1: stop trying to make Fetch happen. It's not happening. <laughs> it would have been better suited for Kurt Angle, to be fair. <laughs> Like, that catchphrase was was so primed and ready for Kurt Angle, and yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember that catchphrase of Triple H trying to get it over, and it was definitely uh, not easy for him. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: But then, Triple H sends his attention to the Rock, the winner of the 2000 Royal Rumble, someday that some people still debate to this day for reasons we'll talk about. But he just talks about the Rock, you've got 10 weeks of WrestleMania, you've got 10 weeks to get yourself in the best shape possible, to get in the best mindset when you're going one-on-one with the best there is. And the Big Show comes out, confronts Triple H, says that Triple H was afraid to give Big Show these rematch because it was a Big Show Triple H took the title from. And then uh, says that he can prove The Rock's feet touch the mat. And he says if he can prove it, he w- wants a match with The Rock. And the winner goes on to face uh, Triple H at WrestleMania. And The Rock, being the ever- Value baby face like he has, comes out and basically says basically mocks the big show like, oh my wife, you to, oh, shut your damn mouth, you burp me. And so <laughs> you can basically summarize how the rock's attitude towards the big show. And so they set up the match. This is all recaps. This thing here is all recaps at the start of the SmackDown, episode we're talking about. It. But Rock they then make a tag because Triple H and Big Show don't like each other but they also don't like the rock. So they make a tag match uh for the rock. Uh, where it's The Rock versus those two and he needs to find a partner and they keep going to the show like oh The Rock's probably not going to have a partner he doesn't really like anybody and then Rock comes out and doesn't look like he's good he says I'm going to go it alone but then out comes Rikishi uh, who had it coming off a big performance in the Rumble where he eliminated seven people he did the whole segment with two people cool, they danced together before he threw them out as well and basically like, Rikishi teams with The Rock and they it was a pretty good tag match, you know. Rock goes for the Rock Bomb, and then gets it with a Lobo. The match basically ends in a schmoz. The outlaws come in, they attack Rikishi, and then Katnichak comes out and makes the save with a 2x4. So the traditional chaotic finish you expect from a Attitude Era Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um. That was one thing going back through watching these SmackDowns. Wow, what a lot of <laughs> What? Yeah, a- like... We complained about it. We complain about it now. But holy crap! What a lot of sm- schmas. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm.
0: And like, I- I've become numb to. I'm numb to run ins and DQ finishes. And like, I've, I've heard like in late '99 the crowd boos when a when a DQ happens. There's something still boo now. But I've noticed that the boos for DQ finishes are getting like quieter and quieter because. People much like me watching it are becoming numb to the idea. They now just, they now just say this is how TV matches end from now on. They're they're used
1: to it now. Well, and it wasn't even just TV matches at that point. It was all matches.
0: Mm-hmm. On SmackDown, they recap what happened there, and they're going to revisit it later on. But what's weird is I expect we smack the episodes they usually end open with a bit of a cold open, like DX backstage discussing like how they're going to stack the odds against the faces against the McFoley or the Rock for the night, but. We actually start with a match. We've got Mr. Razz, Billy Gunn taking on Al Snow. As of raw, is officially like a, this is the first time the name head cheese happened. Because uh, like mm-hmm. they teamed together on the last SmackDown, it was the first official time like Al Snow's still technically a heel but he's slowly going back to the, like comedic face character, which is better suited to. Mm-hmm. And like they kept usually head cheese is really from the segment a throwaway line he says, oh, we could be head cheese, and he gives him this big cheese hat, or he brings out a big chess, a chessboard where we could be head game. And they have a match with and Christian and Christian, and the crowd just chants head cheese. And who, you never would have thought, like, only in 2000 would the phrase head cheese for a tag team get so organically over just with a throwaway segment, and then an entire arena is chanting head cheese.
1: Yeah, like, that definitely goes into the, um, the whole, how gimmicky the 2000 era of WWF or WWE now was. Like, you, you have Al Snow, who is the gimmick of all gimmicks. Like, he carries around a mannequin head, and I realize this going back and watching it now. Did he not debut the What Does Everybody Want uh, theme song?
0: No, they had the What Does Everybody Want theme, song, but then he turned heel uh, on Mick Foley at the end of '99. And so it's very like, well, we can't have him like, have an intro song about giving head as his entrance theme. So he changed it to, to this that he had here. And I think eventually he will go back to What Does Everybody Want. Uh, okay. I think, I think his head cheese gets a bit more over that, that eventually they'll give it back. But for these episodes, he still had his quote unquote heel theme.
1: Got you. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was gonna say, I heard, uh, like, I heard about Al Snow and stuff like that. And I saw him in the back and I'm like, oh, we get the theme song. And then it didn't play. And I was actually disappointed. <laughs> I was extremely disappointed. But this match, um, it reminded me, cause I saw Al Snow a couple years ago at an indie show near me. And he is so good. Like, he is so good, and they keep putting him in this like lower mid-card role, the hardcore title role, and it's like, why? This guy is such a good talent, and he can he can work. And they just never did anything with him, and it's it's such a shame. hmm
0: so Before Al comes out, uh, he says to Blackman that he found out, because Mr. Uh, Billy Gunn is one half of the new Jails who are the tag team champions. Uh, randomly, no Billy Gunn. They just, they just play it off and go, and he's always sick, so he's not here and they like, try make a little mention of it, but Al says to Blackman that if he beats Mr. Ass, then they get a tag team title shot on Raw, which had me thinking, I'm sorry, have we already run out of all viable challengers? That this team that got together a week ago is now getting a title shot. And then Al's like, okay, you didn't like head cheese, and they goes, how about this? And he brings out a pair of like, bunny ears, he said, we could be the snow bunnies. And <laughs> Matt Blackman just doesn't like that either. And the match is decent, but uh, he said, uh, they keep him as mid-card role. He's more known as a comedy character with the whole head cheese and what does everybody want, but Al still very much wrestles like a heel, which is very often, because he's got this heel theme, he wrestles like a heel, and yet he's doing these comedy segments which are getting over, which is a weird kind of thing, where like, you wouldn't think this is a gimmick for a heel, you thought they've already decided to turn their face again.
1: Yeah, like... <sighs> The thing is, though, is like this era of Al Snow. I almost equate to like Toriyano of New Japan, which I know mm-hmm. is like a, a pool for non New Japan fans. But like, um... <laughs> <I appreciate it. laughs> like Toriyano wrestles like a heel. Like he is an absolute mm-hmm. heel, beloved by everybody. So it, it's it's very it's a very weird contrast that only comedy wrestlers can pull off. And don't get me wrong, like. Al Snow is a great comedy wrestler. I just wish I would have seen them do more with him while he was still, like, so talented. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, even the way that he wins isn't the most very way of winning because, like, Batman comes out with the intention of, like, using the candlestick on Billy Gunn, but Billy Gunn gets it, then uses it on Al Snow, so that means a DQ win for Al, which then guarantees Hedges a, a title shot on Raw. So like Yeah, they won and I'm pretty sure fans were happy because the Hesies thing randomly started getting over It's not a babyface way of winning and I think it goes back to The way Hesies, the chance when they took off is that like I think it was an old phrase that like, you can't make fans bring signs And like how when Austin did the Austin 316 immediately people started bringing signs When mm-hmm. something works, it just seemingly works
1: Yeah, and the one thing that I did take note of during this match Um did you see on that crossbody uh that Billy Gunn hit Al Snow with that he'd like wrecked his face? <laughs>
0: uh I think yeah, it feels like ages since I've watched this episode, but I did note that, they, that there was a weird double cross body kind of spot. Yeah,
1: like they it looked like they both went for a cross body. Billy Gunn got the upper hand because he pretty much headbutted Al Snow on the crossbody. <laughs> it was it was really weird. Hmm. But Al does
0: like get the win. I'm still trying to work out how the hell am I to work to get Austin 316 in the same sentence as fucking head cheese but mm-hmm. uh, hey, Blackman and I will be getting the title shot on Raw, we will be back for that so they'll have the match on Raw and I think you'll understand what I mean when we get to the next episode uh, is I think the one word I would use to describe that tight team title match would definitely be radical That's definitely the best word to describe it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, sort of giving that tease for next time. But backstage, we have uh, Triple H, and he decides he's going to put the Rock and Rikishi in a tag team match try and yeah. get this alliance to like, end before it even begins. Still, no mention of the fact that Rock and Rikishi are actually related to drug commentary. They won't find it up until late in the year when it's relevant. But Big Show comes out and he said, I've got proof of that I won the Rumble, and he gives Triple H these pictures. Which which Triple H immediately shits on saying, "Oh, it's all a bit blurry and all that." You know, these are good, but they're not good enough. Uh, maybe if you get me like an eyewitness or something, and and uh, I can make something happen, and just Triple H is just making Big Show look like an idiot, is not it?
1: Hmm. Yeah, he's he's definitely. Uh, this is the one thing that I have issue with WWE a lot is that they just make all of their wrestlers look stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, Big Show just looks like A big buffoon here And it's like, you, you have a viable argument And if you're going to run with it, run with it You know, like and, and eventually they do, as we'll discuss in the next episode But definitely one of those things That confused me A little bit
0: mm-hmm. I think it's like H doesn't believe that uh, Big Show Really has a case So he's just trying to string it out And just trying to mess with them And I don't think even if he like part of it, Triple H doesn't have really any intention of giving Big Show what he wants because he doesn't think he can provide the evidence that it will be proven wrong in the next episode. Now, this annoyed me a little bit because we have this thing when it's a like decent enough dive and it keeps Cactus Jack around and it keeps the rival away with Triple H going for another week, but nothing really as much comes with it because Cactus comes out and he with a lead five and he gives Triple H credit for showing how sadistic he can be, and like he says about how Triple H promised that mankind's blood would stay in New York, and he said like, it wasn't my blood to stay in New York, Triple H, it was yours, and then he wants Triple H to come out and, like, finish what they started. But then Stephanie comes out, for some reason, and she says, like, oh, like, Triple H doesn't need to come out, he's already proven how dangerous he is, and all that, and... Mankind. This is a, a very decent line, but Mankind says, "Like, I don't know how Triple H hope to reproduce and continue the McMahon line. If Triple H clearly has no testicles."
1: <laughs> yeah, Vince getting those ball jokes in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mankind was well. Mick Foley was fond of a a, a testicle joke, and you know, he kept trying to get over the whole testicular fortitude catchphrase and mm-hmm. waiting So he's all about referencing testicles as big Mick Foley. <laughs>
1: Well, so okay, so with this promo, I will say, um, watching this and watching uh, Mick Foley from like, what was it, 2018 when he had that GM run, um, where is this? Because this promo was awesome. I loved it. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: I yeah, loved that, it. Yeah, that was a really frustrating time when he was at the gym because he was working under Stephanie and Stephanie would just undermine him at every turn and... Then Kurt Angle came in after that, and she constantly undermined him as well. And one thing that still frustrates me to this day is like Mick Foley got fired right before, like maybe a thirty-three. I think there was a legit reason that Mick Foley had to be taken off TVs for, and then that's when they brought in Kurt Angle. But like the way Mick Foley gets written off screen is he sadly walks backstage through like the locker room area, and then Triple H is there and probably just mocks him, and then he leaves and he's never seen really again, and he's never. They got a chance to get he got fired basically and never got a chance to get any revenge this,
1: this yeah. is three years ago yeah like they don't pay off their long-term stories like watching back on this like they had the long stor- long-term story of stone cold getting hit by the car which that's another one that i can like i didn't forget about but like god how did they butcher that pig um <laughs> but like there's so many long-term stories here that they were telling, and it's like, why can't you guys do that now? Like, it just makes me like. Granted, all the matches on this show were under, I think, like seven minutes, but like, <laughs> how do you guys not put together compelling TV anymore?
0: Yeah, because like, I think complete with Stephanie as a character, which is different from here, because like she, people will stand up to us. People aren't afraid to say what they think of her. But suddenly, mm-hmm. when, like, from like, 2013 onwards, when she came out as an authority figure, suddenly she had to be bigger than everybody. Like, she, like, she comes out for a promo with AJ e. Lee, and she makes sure they wear the like, biggest heels she can get so that she can tower over AJ e. Lee and make herself feel big. And nobody can really get much of a comeuppance on her other than like a weird like, handful of occasions, unless you're gonna Rousey or something like that. Right. And,
1: like, I'm
0: sorry, what happened to... Definitely get weirdly confident in ourselves after having children some say like nobody can touch me. I am the most dominant female character I created women's wrestling,
1: yeah, and like as a character she's really good it's just like she's it's almost like a it's almost and again, this is another deep pool for our video game fans it's almost like there is a little bit of a of an overpoweredness to her, like it's so weird. Yeah, just like to give someone like Stephanie come
0: up and you don't need to do that much in terms of physicality. Just make make it seem like somebody outsmarted her or did something to like outwit her because like like she runs scared from characters after he makes that comment because she slaps him and then like I won't like a woman, but I dare you to do that again and see what happens. And she kind of runs scared because they've already hyped up Cactus Jack as the most sadistic, like persona that Mick Foley has. And mm-hmm. like Triple H was was like terrified when he did the big reveal a few weeks ago when he said like, it'll be Cactus Jack facing you at the Royal Rumble." And Stephanie runs scared. Like, see, that's just a simple thing that just like nothing really happens. Like Triple H doesn't come out, but like Stephanie runs scared, and that does a lot for Cactus Jack. he sent this woman who's so like dominating over the the company at the minute. He sent her running scared.
1: Yeah, and not only that, then you also have her being the billion-dollar princess and being like, "Oh, I'm scared of you now. I'm scared of you now." But then, as she's running up the ramp, she's also talking smack the whole time, like, "Oh, Triple H is going to get you" and, and stuff like that. Like almost by the time she's at the entrance, uh, like at the entrance ramp, she almost has that confidence back to her and stuff like that. So that she's definitely. Um, she's definitely a lot more powerful away as sh- than she is up close. Like, she sold it really well, and I thought both both parties here worked really great together. Cactus with, like, that over-the-top, hardcore promo, and then Steph playing just this utter bitch. You know? Like, just a, just a straight up bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. And the role she was born to play. But when... Cactus then says, like, I'm going to go against my bare judgment. I'm going to leave for a disarmament I regret. But let sure Triple H knows that this isn't over between us. And then he leaves. And then he stays gone. Well, yeah! There was a at the end of the show, I was expecting him to come back out. Like, this is the same guy who, like, a month ago got fired, but came back the same night to cost Triple H the WF title. And he decides, like, you know what? He, got, he gets into a bit of a scuffle with Stephanie. And then he says, "Like I'm going to go and it just buggers up up the road."
1: Yeah, like it's like now you're making your baby faces look super weak, almost and like scared. It it, it didn't make Cactus look good here uh, after the promo. Mhm.
0: Yeah, they've got like another four weeks before No Way Out, where Triple H and Fez will face again. They haven't made that official yet, but you know that's where they're they're going. And they, I think it's just a case of like keeping it ticking over for another week.
1: hmm
0: <laughs> Now, this next bit here with uh, the Holly Cousins now, on Raw, Hardcore Holly uh, was annoyed that he didn't win the triple threat match at, at the Bowl against China in Jericho becoming our Continental Champion. And so he's waiting inside the women's locker room he wants to confront China. And so, like, Chris is like, oh, I bet you're too scared to go in there confront her, you know? And so Hardcore goes in and all he, oh, you hear is screaming, and then it comes China, like getting in his face. And he's <laughs> like, "If you weren't, if you'd been, not been in that triple threat, wasn't for you, I'd be IC champion right now." And then he gets into a battle, so he just probably smacks China, and then Jericho randomly comes to China's aid, which makes no sense because China and Jericho, like a month ago, China got her thumb broken by Chris Jericho, and now he's coming to save her from Hardcore Holly.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, uh, this didn't make sense. <laughs> So then, Holly gets a
0: an IC title show against Jericho, who's the undisputed IC champion after the Rumble, and like Cena, like grabs Holly's leg, uh, which helps like helps Jericho retain over the title. And before that, Hardcore beat up Crash. we laughing at him getting beat up by Jericho, and so Crash decided to go get a new partner, and he teamed up with the guy we talked about earlier, Viscera, and they managed to get a. They might get I've went over two kill cool and I'm actually basically set to like this is the dominant when he's throwing them about, but whenever Crash gets, then he gets dominated and looks like an incompetent idiot because he's because he's Crash Ollie and so Crash and Vistar still get the the win because like they had they had uh, they had Crash where they wanted them, but then Visser comes in with a big loud drop to help them win, and so Crash, Hardcore and SmackDown is trying to get him and Crash back together and not trying to come in. And basically, Crash just, well, he's polishing his skills. He goes, like, oh, no, I've got new no tights, partner. Me and Vester are undefeated <laughs> after one match.
1: <laughs> I miss Crash Holly so much. Mm-hmm. God, he was funny. And, and he was a good worker, too. But, like, I loved I loved his run. And I know this is later. Um, w- with the, the hardcore title and the 24-7 rule. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He was hilarious in that role. He was absolutely hilarious. And it was all compelling because, like, much to the chagrin of what they do now with the 24-7 title, like, Crash Holly was facing the um, Headbangers, I think it was. Uh, They went to, like, a Chuck E. Cheese kind of area. And they (laughs) wrestled throughout, like, this whole Chuck E. Cheese place. Through the slides and the tunnels and tubes and so, oh my! It was one of the funniest things. It, 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 oh my god, I loved it. <laughs> uh, I
0: like think the best part of that, I'm pretty sure, it's that the same time where they go down a slide and the cameraman gets on the slide as well. You can see the cameraman's legs. Yes, as he's down the slide. Um, yes. Oh, I I remember listening to an episode of Something to Wrestle was about the hardcore title, and I, I think it was somebody really weird that you wouldn't expect to came up with that spot to do the spot thing with the cameraman, and I could, it's gone from my head now. I'm going to try and look it up before we get to that episode. But, yeah, we I think end of February, start of March time is when Crash will will win the title, and so we're not that far away from it because the 24-7 rule is in place by the time WrestleMania 2000 comes along because they have that big multi-man match for the title, but yes. so we're not far off it. And so hardcore isn't really... Harker doesn't really seem like he cares about it, Crash. You know, whenever things go wrong, he often like beats the shit out of Crash and then decides, like, you know what? Fine, me and your new pal of are going to have a match tonight. And so Harker's going to fight Viscera later on. And then there was an ad for Halftime Heat, which is weird because I remember Halftime Heat being a thing in 1999 with a big Rock Mankind of empty arena match and then they brought it back last year, I think it was. I feel like forever. Oh, yeah, last year where they, well, they had a big six-man tag match for NXT. Yeah! That was a great match. And I and then, I didn't realize they did it in 2000, though. Like, and the, the, what how they advertise it is, like, they say they're going to have the big sit-down interview with, with Steve Austin, because a couple weeks ago they said that Austin's had successful surgery and they had a video from the doctor who operated on, saying how well it went. And so basically, this is going to be JR interviewing the rattlesnake and seeing how he's doing and when he's going to be back, because they know that fans... Are going to be wondering like, when we can see Austin again, and they also have big like, pull for this halftime heat. Is basically a repeat of the the tables match from from the Rumble and the Miss Rumble swimsuit contest.
1: Yeah, like it, it's. I remember halftime heat being a thing with the Rock and Mankind thing. I did not remember the Stone Cold part um, coming in two thousand either. So that was definitely something new. Um I wish they would do it more like I really wish they would every year do do these ha- halftime heat things because I loved it I loved it when they did it with that six-man tag with the it was the undisputed era and Aleister Black and a whole bunch of, like and Gargano and Ciampa I think it, it, it was it was a spectacle and I loved every second of it hmm
0: yeah and yeah, because it's so weird. I think I, I can see why they would do it again, but I don't think they do it more after this. And like, it seems to be like the forgotten uh, half-time heat. Uh, you, can between, you, know, Rumble, Rumble contest, you can tune in. to the Rumble with Rumble you can into the into the Rumble Two Thousand Review Part One, where we talk about how that Rumble Thumbs contest basically cost the UK fans free pay-per-views on Channel Four. Thanks to May Young. <laughs> uh, going into the next match we have a uh, the Dudleys versus Edge and Christian, and now the Dudleys are now public enemy number one after what happened on Raw because you know they came out, they crossed, they got involved in the Hardys' tight title match against the Outlaws and they they're gonna you know put them the Dudleys to the table, they attack the ref, and then Terry tries to save the Hardys, and Devon goes to punch her, and Bob was just the what a hell like line if I've ever heard one here it goes why would you punch a woman in the face when you can put her through a table. And like across Raw and then on this match, and they replayed that clip so many times that you can Especially when they slow down you can see Terry takes very little of that table It's mostly all of Bubba's arse So he gets as much protected as she can be in a spot like that And this becomes, you know, that phase that we all go through in a young man's life, you know Bubba Ray's
1: obsession with putting women through tables Hey, I mean, it's an obsession if I've ever seen one And you know what? It really got the it really got the bubble Ray Dudley character over doing that doing this Public Enemy Number One kind of uh, kind of storyline with them, and I was actually going to bring that up as you were talking about it. I was just like, Terry took none of that. Like when May Young when they powerbomb Mae Young, she embraces that that mm-hmm. bump. But with with Terry, like it was just like she pretty much just sat on Bubba's shoulders until they got through the table and then she fell back. And I'm like, Come mm. on, you can take that bump. Let's go
0: <laughs> Yeah, me young took a hell of a bump Basically, you know, there's all these stories that she was like one of the boys And so I think she insisted on properly taking that bump. Whereas Terry took very little of it, as he said, and so Edge and Christian are trying to get some revenge on the Harry's behalf and they cut what I make call the the dullest babyface piece of camera I've ever seen. Like there's a split screen with Edge and Christian the entrance, and then showing them cutting a promo uh, about like the Hardys and like what the Dudleys did and like you know what the Dudleys did. You know, oh that we can't have be having that. You know, and they're, like good Lord lads, you in a few months you'll be the most charismatic thing on the show. What the hell happened?
1: Yeah, it was almost like their souls got taken by like Dementors or something like that. Like they were just, they were walking zombies in this promo. Like come on, put some babyface fire underneath your asses. Like let's go!
0: <laughs> yeah. Like the Hardys are properly like getting over the crowd. Especially since like the ladder match and they had some great matches towards the end of the year. Like last year with the the Outlaws and then after the table smash both of them and the Dudleys are over and of the three like TLC teams Edge and Christian are clearly the, the last team that to get a personality because like, they're doing nothing. They are like do good baby faces, and I think we'll realise that that's not the role that they are meant to do as a team. Uh, so they so, like on Raw they had a match where basically they made it seem like oh yeah every, all these ladies they love Edge and just the, like, the idea that Christian is a loser and Edge Edge is the handsome ladies man. So they clearly have nothing for these two, and they basically also is this. The half halftime usually is halftime because it's happening during the, the Super Bowl. Is Super Bowl two thousand not the one where they first debuted the the WhatsApp thing in that beer ad? I, th- th- I I
1: show. do believe so. Yeah, it was like a Bud Light ad, and it was where they do the WhatsApp. I think that was I think that was Super Bowl two thousand.
0: Yeah, like the Dudleys do the spot where they do the headbutt into the everyone's uh, balls, and like going forward, they're going to be doing the WhatsApp during that. But like, they, they've been doing it like before then, so that without that, I still looked at the WhatsApp, and I'm thinking like, well, if this is the Super Bowl that first debut, surely it can't be too long before they, they debut that because like they were doing that well into 2015, 2016, when there's probably a whole generation of fans who'd never even seen that advert.
1: Well, yeah, and, and I think Bubba, um, he still does it in ring, when he wrestles for Ring of Honor. He they, he still gets people to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean people remember that and that but like it just like, it feels weird seeing them doing it without that like that feels more like that was the more over but like people didn't care about the move they just care about getting to hear the Dudleys do the was up
1: Mhm. pretty uh-huh.
0: much <laughs> So, like the Dudleys are on this role of like being a new like big bad heel team in the the company so Edge and Christian pretty much get fed to them here Christian gets worked over for a lot of them, actually, they keep cutting them off when he tries to make a tag. Uh, the crowd really do come alive when Edge gets tagged in, uh, there's a double back body drop spot, uh, Devon, eventually Edge do actually get the along with the spear, but it's what happens afterwards that people would probably remember, as, like, they get, both get 3Ds, eventually I think it's one of them, I think one of them gets laid on the table and the other gets picked up and powerbombed, like, through the table and... I think starting on Raw, after what while they say, DGR will start uh, referring to them as those damn Dudleys.
1: hmm Yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that's when it starts, because they didn't do it here. Um, mm-hmm. But I do remember it was around this time where they started, like, really catching on with those damn Dudleys. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like, that table spot's vicious, and they were selling it with, like, Edge having the blood coming out of his mouth and everything, like... I don't know if that was real blood or fake blood, I, I'm not sure. But it definitely was um it was definitely a good selling point for it.
0: Yeah. And like I know like Jerry Law can mean suffer a lot of times, especially when like women come out during that year. Like I've especially had been uh, room like the way he goes on about Terry. But like he always like goes behind the heels no matter what. Even Jerry Lawler condemns that Dudley's pin Terry through a table like that's what it takes to get to a to not be on your side. You need a powerball movement like Terry through a table and then the King will stop supporting you as a heel.
1: So I'm also gonna reference since you brought up the King now, um, his commentary. Really dated, isn't it? <laughs> an understatement. I an understatement because uh, I mentioned
0: that King of the Ring podcast we did uh, King has this was a match on that show against Spirit Heart, and we were just talking about our favorite Jerry Lawler one liners. And I mentioned one from an uh, earlier edition of the show where Mae Young comes out. and says that oh, when Me and Mula started first started wrestling, the Dead Sea was only sick.
1: <laughs> I'm still yeah. going to pop for Jerry's commentary, but like at the same time, that man's, that man's commentary was extremely dated and uh, it doesn't age well.
0: Yeah, uh, a real a real understatement, I think.
1: <laughs> Just a little bit.
0: <laughs> but uh, we got backstage today, Triple H and Stephanie you know, in their dressing room. Triple H doesn't like the fact that Stephanie went out there to confront Cactus by herself. And then C- Kane comes in, my boy. He comes in and he wants X-Pac, but Triple H says that X-Pac isn't here. He says, you know what? You can face X-Pac on Raw because if you beat the big show tonight, and the main reason Kane wants x is because he they had a match on Raw, you know, their former tag partners, and then x eliminated Kane from the Rumble, even though he'd already been eliminated. But the referees didn't see x go over, so X-Pok snuck back in and eliminated Kane. And so in pok basically, I think there was a DQ finish. Probably was like if was, you can't remember how a match finished, this thing beard just the it ended in a DQ. But the main thing that annoyed Kane was x basically forcing himself on Tory. And yes. that really Kane up and he wants Xbox but Triple H is saying oh Xbox isn't here so they make a match. He makes them a match with the big show.
1: Yeah, um Triple H really uh I this is when I started writing down. I said, was two thousand the beginning of the Triple H reign of terror instead of two thousand three? No, I think he's
0: he's much better in his matches here because like he had a match with Rikishi a few weeks ago. And he gave Rikishi a lot in that match, you know, ended Trouble H like, God, he could like keep his belt, but it wasn't a case, like, as cheap as it would sound. It seemed like Triple H was like realizing that he couldn't keep Rikishi down. Mm. Uh, and so like Rikishi got over and like, I'm pretty sure Triple H has a match with like Taka and in which Amy helps Taka look good in a couple of months time. And like, he had a match with Al Snow randomly on an October episode, so like Triple H Vince made him fight Al Snow for the title, and he helped Al Snow look good. So, like he's always like in the in the mix, but i don't like he's as bad as like 2002, 2003
1: Triple H. Okay, yeah, because I was gonna say like we got a lot of Triple H on these two episodes.
0: Oh yeah, don't get me wrong, he's always like on screen. You know, I made a reference like when, especially when T and Stephanie got together. Like you know, like, Triple H comes into the writers' room before every episode. Like when Triple H is not on screen,
1: everyone should be asking where's Triple H. <laughs> That's a great line. I like that. (laughs) Um, The one thing I will say about Triple H, though, um, that I forgot to say when Stephanie came out, um, we get my favorite Triple H theme song of all time here. uh, My Time. I love the My Time theme song. (laughs) Uh,
0: I I don't want to cause an
1: argument here, but I hate it. Oh, why? It's so so early 2000s that it's great. And, like, (laughs) I think I'm so used to the game. You know, that's why he had when
0: I started watching. And then I, I, my brother, They started watching a year or so before me. So he had dates around about 2099. And so I'd watch that and I'd always be like, what the hell is this theme song that the Triple H got? Like, this isn't the game. And like, also the fact that Triple H is such a big part of this, the show. He's always coming out like segments and like, even if he's just on the ramp, but he still has to have his entrance music played. And so I hear it so often that I'm just like, I don't want to hear it anymore. And,
1: oh, I, I used to listen to it every morning when I woke up. I love this theme song.
0: And, like, it gets stuck in my head. I walk around, like, I have a thing where I've recorded two episodes by the back, and so then I'll wait a wee while to take this, I did, and then I'll watch two more episodes. And, like, again, even watching The Ros as well, Trouble, which is all over that. So I'm walking around my house doing dishes, and, my, I'm, and like, without realizing it, I'm singing my time, because it's stuck in my head, like a fucking brainworm like, singing, and like am like, like, oh, Fuck off.
1: My time! My time!
0: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't stand it. I've talked about it enough on this show, how much I don't like it. And just, just like, we'll the way agree it to disagree. Well, like, wah, 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 like, what the hell is that?
1: <laughs> oh, I love the guitar opening. That's my favorite part. <laughs> uh, uh, so, we'll agree uh, to disagree here. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I've
0: evaded you as a guest. I don't want to just show, like, no, you're wrong, and this is why. <laughs> I have more decorum than that. Listen,
1: you. Uh, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, even if it's wrong. You know, it's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we move on. Uh, we have Hard Crawley and Viscera. Uh, I made sure to note this down. Michael Cole calls Viscera an ultra-athlete. I, think I
1: missed that line, and this is tremendous.
0: <laughs> you mean it's a ultra-big athlete, because you'd be right there. I don't know how, what your definition of ultra-athlete really is there, Michael Cole.
1: I, listen, Viscera is the only man that can hit a jumping, spinning heel kick without leaving the ground.
0: He does hit that. It just looks like he's trying to do a forward roll without checking to see if anybody's in his path and just see if he hits somebody, hits somebody, because he does hit it here. Uh he our colleague does get lay a punches on uh on Vistera you noises know, during the time where he says that he's four hundred pounds so he's in his mind thinks that he's then even size wise with Viscera Uh Crash comes into ringside, even though he's like the speed, like, Oh, I don't want to team with you anymore, I'm teaming with Viscera he still looks concerned when Crash is getting beat up. Uh Vissera wins quite easily a splash in the corner, it's a simon drop. But then when he Kind of looks like he's going to continue to beat down Harper afterwards. Crash gets involved, and they both. The Holly doesn't seem up to be a Viscera. So you know that family tiff that went for all of three days. Uh, one, if you count the fact that finding his tape. Uh, so you know that's that wrapped up there. Uh, anything you know, I think we talked about Viscera at the start. You know I'm sure you were happy to see him have a match.
1: Yeah, I was. I was thrilled to see. I was thrilled to see Vistara come out here. Him and his. Uh... His 1997 P Diddy jumpsuit, Oh, that's way too big for P Diddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed this. I thought it was entertaining. Um, is entertaining. Crash Holly's entertaining. Hardcore Holly, eh? He, he can <laughs> do. He'll do. He'll do. Ah, <laughs> uh, he, so yeah, I don't have myself to say about it.
0: Like it seems like an obvious conclusion. Hardcore talk, talks a big game and then he gets his arse kicked by I mean. Hardcore Holly's main finisher this time is the Falcon Arrow. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Hardcore Holly managed to hit a Falcon Arrow on Viscera, I would have popped like you wouldn't believe, that there
1: was no chance. No, they um they protected the sized wrestlers a little a little too much, I think. In in this era, like I I feel like they should have definitely allowed Hardcore Holly to get a little bit more uh, power in on Viscera because Hardcore Holly's a pretty jacked dude at this point. Hmm.
0: Uh, so we go back to the stage again. Another Triple H segment. Uh, and Triple H Big Show takes back the, the photograph from earlier on, and basically tells Triple like, "Okay, I'll wrestle Kane tonight, but don't abuse your favors." And like that. Like, again, Big Show's not really doing anything about Triple H. He's like, "Okay, I'll still help you, but don't push your luck."
1: Yeah, this is uh, this starts the whole Big Show turns uh every three months. Uh, th- that's exactly what this ends up being because Big Show was a babyface, kind of. Now he's a heel, kind of.
0: It, he he flip flops we, we, from
1: 2000 to 2020.
0: We've been doing a counter so far. I think he turned heel uh, a, couple, a couple weeks before the Rumble. He turned on the Rock and the Tag match, like, which is the same week he lost. I think maybe the same week he lost the title to Triple H. Uh, no, a week later. I have no idea where my themes all all. It's all blended together. But he turns <laughs> heel shortly after losing the title. I believe it was his four, third or fourth turn and he's only been in the company. coming. He's only coming up on his first year as part of the company. And So I've been keeping a counter. As we go through this review, I'm going to keep count of all the turns here.
1: Oh my. You're going to have yourself a nice high counter, I think, because Big Show turns heel and or turns, period. More than I think, a, uh, more than I think, any burger at a fast food joint. Like <laughs> he turns so much,
0: <laughs> yeah. And like he, he it off, in and obviously he just says like, they want me to be a face tonight I'll be a face. They want me to be heel at this next show, I'll be a heel. Like he just, he doesn't care.
1: Not at all. He doesn't <laughs> give a fuck.
0: <laughs> so we got Big Show versus Kane. Yeah, you now Kane really lays it into the big show. He manages it uh, in Sagiri, which is decent for someone of his size. The uh, show just launches Kane right to the outside. Uh, it's a slam. Kane manages to avoid an elbow drop. I've I put down here, X-Pac and he's shit-done goodies attracts track Kane. Because, like, <laughs> what was this meant to be? Like, he had his, his DX gear on underneath it and yeah, he's like a like, long blue damn like done good easily are you just back from painting a house or something what is this look you're going for here
1: man it is the early 2000s uh, I think at this point new metal is at an all time high and you know what uh, a lot of them were wearing this kind of stuff like guys like Pantera and stuff like that uh, I think they were wearing a lot of that so if you wanted to blend into the heavy metal scene you got yourself a nice little pair of overalls and it uh, looked like he was trying to be part of the Godwins. You know, Icebox has
0: proven he's always on the, he's always got his finger on the pulse in terms of what's good music, which he'll show next year when he brings in his Uncle Cracker theme song.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> uh, what The best The best shit theme, I think, one of my best favorite shit theme songs in wrestling.
1: It is literally the worst, but you can't help but vibe with it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he comes out and he's sheerly angry. He's like, "I look, I'm like, you could not look more like a scumbag if you tried." And then he tries by grabbing Tori on the outside, and then Big Show, as DX come out, beat up Kane, Big Show helps beat down Kane, and then buggers off. Kane then gets tied to the ropes, and Export grabs Tori in a segment that went on a reveal that went on longer than it needed to, uh, where Export trades like. Yeah, because Tori spent the holidays with x because Kane lost a, a match against Big Show at the end of December because, you know, that's, the, that's a normal thing to put on the line in a, in a wrestling match. And yeah. basically, basically X-Fot basically describes the kind of things that he and Tori did when they were together over the holidays as Kane tied to the and can't like, do anything about it. And then basically says that his girlfriend seduced him and says, it basically says implies that Tori can go if she wants and then... Toy kisses Xbox, which the way they played this, I thought it was going to be like, oh, they were together all along. It was all a setup. Then he, the way he talks to her and basically says she can leave if she wants implies that did Toy just make up her mind about Xbox then and there, or what, were they secretly in on it? They did not play this as well as I remember them doing it.
1: Yeah, um, a couple things to take note of here uh, Kane and Big Show, both jacked to the freaking gills. Um Kane especially, like, holy crap, I've never seen that man more jacked in my life. (laughs) Uh (laughs) the the Insiguri was impressive. Uh only a couple people could base Kane for that, and Big Show being one of them, I loved it. Then, yeah, this whole Tori thing, I completely forgot about her um until I watched this, and I was like, Oh right, that was a thing. Um It was just, it was weird. Like I don't know. I feel like they went into too many details that it almost made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like X Pac really just kind of he didn't he didn't come across as a heel. He came across as just disgusting in a way, like almost. You know what? He almost seemed like one of those one of those people that you would find typically at a trailer park in like a B rated <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> you just like on the during the movie, you're also uncomfortable by that person. But I think if you'd see them offset, you'd also be uncomfortable around that person. That's kind of where Xbox is is that is at that point. So yeah, this whole segment was just really weird. And Xbox for- yeah, Sorry. Uh, it's okay. This just is one of the uh, one of the beginning times that we would see Big Show plastered across this show. Holy crap! Big Show is everywhere in this show.
0: Ah, oh, Acepoc uh, looks like you talk about horror movies. He's the guy who pops up at the start of a horror movie. The obnoxious guy that he's one of the guys that you're like, please be one of the first guys to get killed
1: by the whatever slasher film you're watching. You know. Yeah, he's. You know what? He's the pre. He's the pre-title card death of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like in Saul. Like in the Sauls, when there's a death right before it flashes Saul across the screen, he would be the one that would die there. Yeah, or you'd hope anyway.
0: <laughs> and you wouldn't be too upset about it either.
1: No, you'd be like, you know what? Yeah, that was well deserved. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And this is obviously a, a heart. A horrible moment for me because you know Kane's my favorite of all time, and you know he first he got his best friend betrayed him, but then he got a girlfriend and everything was okay, and then she left him for this scumbag, and it taught a young girl that maybe love isn't real. Maybe you should just don't get close to anybody because they'll betray you and go with Sean
1: Waltman. <laughs> <laughs> if I lost a girlfriend to Sean Waltman, I think I I think I'd probably give up at that point. <laughs> 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 and then
0: like Kane. Oh, it's maybe sad. To, like you want to play like the incredible Hulk music over it as he's walk sadly walking away or something like Hello Darkness, my old friend but Kane walks out middle end of January, there's snow everywhere. You know, he's got a very thin suit on, he just walks out all sad and everything in full gear, still got the mask on. And like I'm pretty sure there are pedestrians across the road that are walking by. They must be looking across like, Hey, can you see that guy over there in the giant red mask? <laughs> As he just, put away just a straw over what happened with Tori To which Daryl Luller, I think trying to claim he's concerned Says like can we check the local bridges Make sure Kane doesn't do anything stupid
1: Yeah like and he makes the same joke In the next episode too I re- I re- I wrote that down Where they said it in the next episode They're like we still think That we need to check the bridges and the rivers For Kane back there because we haven't seen him yet
0: yeah, Kane disappears. He's not going to be on Raw or SmackDown next week. He disappears. He's going to recover. going to go watch The Notebook with a giant tub of Haagen-Dazs. <laughs>
1: oh. oh, man. I,
0: or so, I, so I've heard that's the, the solution for heartbreak. But uh, next. Uh, like I real, can
1: neither confirm nor deny.
0: I feel Kane in, in tone next because we've got Godfather and D'Lo Brown against two cool... And, you know, it's a decent back-and-forth match. You know, people are going to be into it. Scotty does like, the worm. And then right in the middle of the match, Godfather just calls it off and goes like, you know what, we can fight any time. Let's just party. And then they bring the hose in and everybody starts dancing. <laughs> and then Mark Henry and Me Young come out and announce that Mae Young is pregnant as everybody in the ring, hose and, hose and all, pull in the face. them seem like they're as disgusted as they possibly can be. <laughs>
1: hey you know what granny fetishes are a thing and if mark henry is into it then by all means you can go ahead um i completely forgot that delo brown teamed up with the godfather in this iteration of things like i remembered they were tag partners in the nation but i did not remember delo brown's head bobble coming down with the godfather in his hose so it was definitely a uh, a nice sight there i liked it i'm a big delo delo brown fan i think he's criminally underrated and I, he moves his head more than Jay Leno. So I <laughs> I, I appreciate him. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, uh, yeah, they basically just made him mini-Godfather. Like, he's the Godfather like just they have him dressed like him and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. Because, like, he was just he was that guy who would hold the European title, and he like, got a brief IC title read. But then they had nothing for him. You know, I know a lot of people claim it's to do with the draws, and I don't think that's the case. I just think like they had a lot of new people coming in, they just he just got lost in the shuffle.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think even D Brown said that he didn't think it was because of the draws incident, that he just kind of he just kind of fell into the crowd at that point. Like it was a it was a bloated roster. This roster was bloated at this point. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like new people coming in
0: backstage, we've got the I mean, two posters are like, laughing as they watch the announcement of May and young child and talking about the idea of an old woman giving birth and then Taz walks by and they all the three of them just mock him and they, they call him an Impa you know, a precursor to what Matthew would do in Botchamania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he basically was like he basically said, I want to fight you. He goes like, Well which one of us do you want to fight you? Like, I wanna fight all three of you. And I've i mocked you at Lawler for what he said and you mentioned like he's a bit outdated, but he does have like a good line to help go with Taz. he almost stumbles over it, but he managed to get it out, saying that that's not fair. All three members of the posse against Taz. The posse are going to get at least three or four more guys to make it <laughs> fair.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was a big Mean Street Posse fan at this point. Like, I don't know what it was, but I loved the Mean Street Posse as a kid. <laughs> and like,
0: it's funny you I think the real inspiration about it is like Vince always like uses like gimmicks that are inspired by people he doesn't like. And Vince I think lived in Greenwich. And so these were meant to mock the people that he would share a street with that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. To give. No, like he didn't come Vince didn't come for money, but these were meant to mock like trust fund kids or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's what I had heard too, and like I don't know. I just loved it. I, I <laughs> loved it. It was it was so entertaining to me.
0: So yeah, we're gonna have that match later on and this is a random thing that happened right in the middle of the shows. But I think this is the funnest part of the entire night. We've got Tess defending the hardcore title against Garen Grill, which immediately starts in a big brawl up on the ramp. And Luna Vachon constantly getting involved, only to be, like, sorted away by by Test. It's just so funny. Like, yeah, Luna trying to spray blood in Tess's face to try and blind him. He then grabs a hard hat, puts it on Luna's head, and it just bonks the, the hard <laughs> hat. And they go
1: mm-hmm.
0: all over of they say, they go outside, and there's a random, like, truck, there, and, like, there's snow in the back of it, and Leonard tries to get involved again, and so somebody tests dumpster in the back of this, in the back of this truck with all the snow, and then they're Ian Gangrel fighting in amongst the snow. Again, this is, I think it's up there in Pennsylvania, or in, like, Philadelphia, I think. And they're in Baltimore. Oh, I'm thinking of Raw, they're in Philadelphia for Raw, but, like, uh... Eh, but like this is the middle of january so they had to be feeling like but a test has got no sleeves
1: mhm yeah mm. um i live i live 45 minutes north of baltimore right now and um it's cold uh <laughs> this this is about the same time as we're in right now i mean it's end of january um it was probably in the teens to low single digits uh in fahrenheit for all of our fahrenheit fans <laughs> But yeah, um, this was so entertaining. I, <laughs> I laughed a lot during this match, and then plus I got the greatest entrance of all time, which is it, it beats the Undertaker's for me. Like, and I'm a I'm the biggest Taker fan of all time. But like Gangrel's brood entrance is literally the greatest of all time. You come up, the fire, the music, the blood. Oh, I loved it. I love it. Gangrel is a top five favorite for me, uh, just because of the entrance. <laughs> uh, Tess
0: also got to show a bit of personality here uh, He's he, he fighting your phone book in a, a phone booth And like, they store the guy out while, who's taking a phone call And like he says, look, what's got small balls and hangs up Hangs low, a bat or something like that he goes, what's got big balls and hangs up And he hangs up the phone
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tess was really entertaining in this match Like, um, it... it, it I feel like he was very much pushed way too soon, and then they just gave up on him. Mm-hmm. And I feel terrible because, like, I mean, he's passed away now, but like, I really did enjoy when he came back. I, I enjoyed watching him coming back in the mid two thousands. I thought it was really entertaining.
0: Yeah, because it's sad that we've we've, we've discussed the failures regarding test a lot on this series, and just, like the fact that. One of the main things people remember about this is that there's a totter account there. Basically, reminding you that he's dead is like really sad because considering what could have been. Uh, this this match here, this closing sequence on the loading dock is really confusing, but also very entertaining. I've got in my notes here. Where did this piano come from? Yes, it's <laughs> a piano randomly. Who what the, the fuck in your piano? at Smackdown and Luna was shown Despite the fact that. Terry Reynolds got powerbombed through a table and took none of it. Uh, and the Dudleys are being made to look like heels. People cheer when Luna Bichon takes all of that piano when she gets powerbombed on it by Test.
1: Yeah, and Test is not a small man. Like, that's a very high drop onto a piano. <laughs> <laughs> but Luna manages
0: to recover and ultimately costs. I think she gets powerbombed on the piano after she does this, but she goes to Test with a, a shovel. He moves. And like the ending sequence of the first Tom Alone movie, she hits Gangrel with the shovel. He goes tumbling off the lone dog in a bunch of boxes, and then just yes. elbow drops into the bushes, dives, and manages to pin Gangrel for the win. It was a much-needed injection of like craziness in the show, and it's like it's the hardcore title at its best. Pre like twenty-four-seven title, <laughs> uh, like twenty-four-seven rules, sorry.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Like, I will say, I agree. This show at this point was really dragging. (laughs) Like I was getting bored. I was like, Oh my God, another triple H segment. (laughs) 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 Like it was, I don't know. It just, I guess for you, it's probably going a little bit quicker because you're emotionally invested in these storylines. For me, I'm just air dropping in on two episodes of SmackDown and I was just like, there's a lot of entertaining stuff, but it was so. It was such a long show at this point. I was like, okay, we need something to pick this up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was, it was enough to boost my spirits when I was reminded of Kane's heartbreak, and this really helped uh, cheer me up a little bit here. There you go. <laughs> uh, being too positive backstage, to keep calling Taz Tiz or something like that, and then mm-hmm. arguing over who gets to start the match. No. This match, maybe it's because like Taz is new to the company or that means you probably, like I think all but uh but Joey Abs had proper training before they started, but apparently they, they did give up, their all like trying to get used to taking bumps and everything. This match went such uh a different direction than it should have. Like Taz still does win, but it does not look as strong as he should've What he should've just like have one of them come in, throw them up suplex, another one throws in suplex. But no. He gets nodded into the corner, and while one of the men who say, is arguing with the ref, the other two just randomly start beating up Taz in the corner. And then, like, I think he closes one of the guys into the ropes, but he gets kind of caught in the ropes and doesn't do the bump over the ropes that he's supposed to do. And he eventually chokes the, like, peak gas uh, for the win uh, before then immediately being jumped by Angle. So, like, they set this up as, like, a theory when Harry to watch Taz take out all these guys at once and show how badass he is. I think he looked worse coming out of this.
1: Yeah, he didn't look strong. Um, also, Rodney almost broke his neck after being thrown into the ropes. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught that because he like yeah. went to he went to like front roll, but his neck got stuck on the canvas, and I thought he was gonna break his neck. I was like, "Holy shit!" Um, yeah, Tasha just went in there, started throwing people, and finished the match. I, heels don't always have to heels don't always have to have the upper hand. Sometimes they just need to get beat, and that's what the Mean Street Posse should have had. It, it, it was almost pointless. <laughs> yeah, and I think this helped work against
0: us, because at the rumble, uh, right before he goes to throw Angle like, backwards overhead like for a suplex, Angle kind of gets a bit early, so it goes to jump a bit early, and then they have to stop and redo the suplex, because if they went the way they were going, Angle would have landed right on his head. So with that yeah. spot, that spot, and then the rodney spot here, I think this suddenly to some people higher, especially Vince Kind of marred Taz with the brush of potentially being unsafe, which is thing is why he only goes as far as he ends up going in his WWF career.
1: Yeah, and it's just like almost the inexperience of people because like Kurt Angle is still in his rookie year. Am I am I right on that in in two thousand?
0: Yeah. yeah, he debuted at Survivor City, so he's like three or four months in at this point.
1: Yeah, and then you have him. In, then you have Taz in this. In this match against two people that are pretty pretty green, and the other one's still green, but he's not—he still had training. And so you're kind of setting up Taz to fail here, and that—and it's unfortunate. But I mean, now we get his commentary work on uh, Dynamite and Dark, and I'm here for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like you had the match of the one boy got the biggest pop I think in his entire career. He came on Smack on Raw before this, where Angle was disputing the fact that he wasn't. Like he had lost because he said like, that was an illegal choke and they were in Philly for a. Uh, so Taz comes out, another big pop, chokes Angle out again and then just here, which should have been another big moment for him. Like, I get why Angle had to take him out because he jumped up from behind and Angle's a covered, but I think everything that it seems so simple but just everything happened to
1: go wrong at once. Yeah, like this is where that 50-50 booking stuff started. Like it started around this time of like, Everybody has to get their win back or their comeback and stuff like that. And I don't think you needed to sacrifice Taz to Kurt Angle here. I feel like Kurt Angle could have came out and instead of choking him out, maybe hitting him with a chair or something like that, or put, like laying him out but not choking him out. Taz is the ultimate submission machine. So mm-hmm. why would you have him get choked out by Kurt Angle?
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll move swiftly on because like Crash is backstage way, way hardcore, and he says to hardcore you know what, I'm going to do something you couldn't do. I'm going to win the Intercontinental title and oh, don't tease me, Crash. I would have
1: loved to have seen you as IC champion. Oh my god, <laughs> it would have been great. It would have been great. And he picks up a scale. I love Crash in this freaking scale. <laughs> I've I mentioned this before,
0: but I think like, Hardcore Holly was the one that started the whole super heavyweight thing and like, the thing with the scales before Crash was brought in. And I said, this is just to show how much more charismatic Crash is than Hardcore is that the one entertaining thing that Hardcore Holly had going from got taken off of them and given
1: to Crash. Yeah. Like Crash Holly Crash Holly was criminally underutilized. Criminally underutilized. To the point that I should sue WWE for malpractice. <laughs> this is bull crap. <laughs> uh,
0: I think after he left WWE, I've watched this video online where he went to uh, to TNA, like NWA TNA for like a few months. Uh where he was doing it because his real name was Mike, so his his name there was Mad Mikey, and his gimmick was like he was angry all the time and like the little thing would set him off, uh, and so like, but he deserved a lot more and like thought about the Hollies and the IC title. I mentioned on the King of the Ring podcast that apparently, technically, Hardcore Holly is like a phantom IC champion because so like I think he'd be able to accidentally from a, a TV taping from Jeff Jarrett but then the reverse decision was reversed and it's pretty much similar to like when the Rockers unofficially won the tag belts, because like, you look up the history of the IC title, you've got Jeff Jarrett winning the belt and then 95, the randomly, just goes to a, a, a separate reign and it's Jeff Jarrett again. And so I think that bit in the middle between those two is where Hardcore Holly may have accidentally won the title, but it's not really
1: recognized. I think Bruce Pritchard said something about that on Something to Wrestle. Mm. I, I do believe so. I think... Because I, I, he did, like, a whole Hardcore Holly episode.
0: Yeah, it's, like, fucking three and a bit hours long. Like.
1: I loved their long episodes. I loved when, like, the Edge one was five hours because I listened to them at work. So, a five-hour episode? Sign me up. I'm here for it.
0: Uh, I mentioned, like, they, they have nothing over Christian. I think the whole thing where they make Christian look shit and Edge look good is, like, they mentioned on their... I listened to their Christian episodes and, like, they mentioned on there that originally before, they were... Edge and Christian wouldn't have made it the resume of the 2000s A team if things had gone the way They were going, and it was Edge and Christian themselves That begged them and keep them together And the, like history showing that that was a good decision
1: Yeah, absolutely Absolutely it was And and, and you forget how Good of a worker Christian is mm-hmm. But he's so good Like I think he's actually a better worker Than Edge, just Edge had more personality
0: <laughs> Yeah it's I mean Christian is charismatic in his own way. And like I think he really proved it when he left WB for t- to go to TNA for, that, for a little while. And, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And this, this is where another, like you talk about getting over. This is another thing that soon gets over in the commentators will mention a lot whenever Crash comes out. For the first time, Chris Jericho com- compares Crash all the way to Elroy Jetson. And <laughs> at least set Elroy chance and basically GR and King will
1: call on that for a long time going forward. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Jericho in prime form, and you know what? I'm I'm gonna say this and God rest her soul. But China was a freaking smoke show here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like you, you you look at a picture of her in ninety seven which we compare here, you can tell a lot of the work has been done here. Like she is like it's night and day the difference.
1: It really is. It really is. But I, I, I was always a big fan of China. I, I really think that she could have been the first woman, in my opinion, to win the the world title before Tessa um, mm-hmm. did it in Impact. I feel like China could have definitely, worked, at least, had like a short stint with the WWF title. I really do. She was over like Rover for the longest time, and they just Stephanie McMahon.
0: Yeah, and the I think if Vince Rousseau had gotten his way, I believe that's what was plan was. I think it was uh, SummerSlam 99 is where they wanted it to happen. Because like she even like won a number of contenders match like four weeks before SummerSlam that year. And yeah. then eventually led to the big triple threat with Mankind, Triple H in, in Austin. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why she ended up winning the IC title, is that they wanted to keep her with the men, but didn't want to give her that belt. So that's when she ended up winning the IC title.
1: Yeah, she was always much better wrestling men. Like, she really was. She was more suited for it just because of her build. But I, I always enjoyed it. And, and the men could carry her a little bit more, too. Um, because she was green and she wasn't experienced. But her character was very, very, very over. Especially when her and Eddie were together. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, I, I've said before, Taino was always always as good as whoever was in the ring with her.
1: Like. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially her matches with Jericho, if she had somebody else in there who was known as a good worker, then her matches could be incredible. But if she was, if somebody was in there who wasn't used to carrying people or wasn't known necessarily for their in-ring work, then it was unlikely that it was going to be a good match.
1: Yeah, very true, very true.
0: But Jaina, I believe this is the debut here. This is the first
1: time she brings out her giant firework gun. I loved it. I popped for it. I reme—I vaguely remembered this, and I was like, oh, shit, that's where this is. <laughs> yeah, there's no like, real explanation as to
0: why China and that. Like, I think they say oh, it's about mutual respect. They finally respect each other. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jerry Lawler, for some reason, he can't buy the fact that a man and a woman can have a relationship that's non-romantic, and he keeps, he keeps trying to imply that something else is going on between China and Jericho. He's just so insistent okay. on it. You never know. Yeah. Man. <laughs> well, I do know because I read Jericho's book, and he's shit all over this program with China. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so keep it
1: kayfabe.
0: <laughs> kayfabe, kayfabe, brother. Uh, so you got Jericho versus Crash. Jericho basically chopping the hell out of Crash, sends them flying. Out. So he basically beats the hell out of poor Crash. You know, he he hits, uses the title. You know, he gets hit with the title belt. Uh China gets booted by Hardcore Holly. There's a close two count. It looks like Crash actually might win at one point. Then China DDTs Hardcore Holly on the outside. Jericho locks in the walls of Jericho for the win. A quick uh, title defence for Jericho. I think it's all about kind of furthering the uh, the the this thing with China and Jericho, whatever it's meant to be. But you know, we can still dream an alternate reality where Hardcore- Crash Holly had a reign as I C champion.
1: You know, uh, going back, I couldn't remember if Crash Holly had ever won the IC title, and when Hardcore hit him with uh, hit Jericho, I was just like, "Oh shit, they're gonna pin Jericho!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I so, <like>, bet.
0: <laughs> sometimes when these, uh, when like you have I watch these endless and they don't always and, like when you can skip to, to certain matches, they don't always say that they're for the title. So sometimes a match will be for the title, but not say it's for a title mm-hmm. uh, on the network. And so I'm used, so used to that that Jericho and Xbox had a match uh, a few weeks ago. So I for, no, actually, I think it's next week, actually. I think they have a match where it's non-title, and Xbox wins. No, it's not next week. It's a, I remember, Xbox and Jericho have a match at some point, and I thought Xbox had won the IC title because I didn't realize it was non-title. I actually better like, is that Prick the IC champion?
1: <laughs> oh, man. There's so many people during this time that could have won that IC belt that never did, and it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people who did. Randomly, you'd forget. I'm pretty sure the year before this, in '99, I'm pretty sure it still holds the record for the most IT title changes in a single year.
1: I can imagine. Hmm. Yeah, at this point, they were they were flip flopping every belt possible. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like 2014 <laughs> Raw. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: so Rock's backstage, he's getting around a promo about Rikishi. Thanks, Rikishi for his sale on Raw. He's like, "This is a different show. This is Thursday." And like, if I to, I'm gonna to have to do what I have to do, and then also Big Show's proof. Well, Big Show can take his proof. I'd that some bits uh, I wasn't sticking up his ass. Uh, you know typical Rock thing. Crowd eats it up, and uh, the commentators tape up the Rock's appearance on Star Trek Voyager.
1: Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, really, that was a thing.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Rock is like some sort of alien gladiator that one of the characters gets stuck fighting, and I'm pretty sure in his scene he
1: hits a rock bottom. Oh, Of course he does. He does it in the new Hobbs and Shaw movie, I think, too. <laughs> uh,
0: like, um, I like, like we always want to see if a wrestler's in a, a film or some sort of TV show where they get into a fight, you want to see them have some sort of wrestling move, and that, uh, like, you know, spoilers for some people, but Sasha Banks hit a wrestling move in Mandalorian, and I fought for it so much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen that, but I, I'm really excited to see her role in The Mandalorian. Um, I, I'm excited for that. I was almost uh, you say that. I almost half wanted Stone Cold to hit the stunner in that movie, The Condemned, that he was in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure the Rock had hits that in one of his other movies. It might be that Welcome to the Jungle or The Rundown. Is it's known elsewhere.
1: Wait, is that known? Hold on, is that known as a different title in yeah, other in
0: countries? UK, I think in the UK it's called Welcome to the Jungle, and I never knew it was called anything else for a long time until like I tell people talk about the rock uh, filmography, and it's like I then he started in the rundown, with Sean Williams was like, what the fuck is the rundown? And honestly, given the, what the concept of the movie is, I think Welcome to the Jungle is a better title.
1: It actually is. I don't. I don't disagree with you there, but I didn't know it was called anything else, <laughs> huh? More you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what the rundown is supposed to mean. Yeah, no, I'm uh, not in that context no.
0: <laughs> anyway, speaking of the Rockies, on he's coming up next with against Rikishi, and you know what? It's a strong, it's a strong main event. I think I thought this, you know, because Rikishi is really on the rise. over the last, so he got a great show against Triple H. He was, I think, the standout performer in that that year's Royal Rumble, and like. You know, Rikishi will get more further push into the event at the end of the year with uh, not so much success, but I think you can see why they're so confident to put him in that position.
1: Yeah, I mean, his work rate speaks for itself. I mean, I love watching Rikishi. I think he's, again, I, I keep saying it, but criminally underrated. Like, Mm-hmm. rikishi is one of those guys that could just go and go and go and he he definitely proved it here against the rock which was one of the if not the top guy in the company at this point
0: yeah the one downside about rikishi sometimes these matches is that they still insisted every now and then on doing a spot you know the whole thing Samoan, he has a hard head this move didn't affect them but the rock like that I like the fact that they, didn't, they never did that for The Rock. They're like, oh, The Rock's only half the month, so his head isn't as hard. So we're not, not going to do this gimmick for him.
1: Well, like, and I mean, Rikishi, it kind of makes sense. He's a bigger dude. With The Rock, it'd be a lot harder to sell that, I think.
0: Yeah, because like, Rikishi gets dvt by The Rock and then gets right back up and hits a super kick. So, and the weirdest spot of this match, and this is a tape show, so I don't know how they still made it in. But the Rock goes for a rock bottom, and I think Rikishi thought he was meant to counter it. And they both just crumple, and it looks like Rikishi's legs basically bend a weird way as they go down. And then, like, the commentators try their best but fail to cover for it. And then Rock just picks Rikishi back up and hits it again.
1: Yeah, I, I saw that too, and I was I was wondering what happened there. I don't know if maybe they mistimed the jump for Rikishi or if he was supposed to counter it into something else. I, I wasn't 100% sure, but it definitely did look odd. Um, I wish Rikishi, I, I wish they would have been able to hit it proper the first time because the rock hitting the rock bottom on Rikishi was always an impressive sight. Like, it, it always just looked good. Uh-huh. So it was definitely one of those things where I, I was really hoping that it would have came off a little bit cleaner, and it did the second time, but the first time would have been better. Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: Rikishi gets kicked out. He goes to hit the bonsai drop when the Big Show runs in, proving how stupid he is, because like, like this guy, you hate the rock, and this giant someone lad is a bit cross the rock's chest with a bonsai. We'll, we'll just wait and see what happens, and then attack him. But, you know, Big Show does not think. And so Big Show comes out, Beats, he and Triple H beat both Rikishi and The Rock down. To Kill come out to try and make the save, and they both end up getting a double tilt slam. And this is where you think, "Cat, this is going to come out and you'll make the save like he did on Raw." Show goes off air.
1: Yeah, it was such a weird ending. And again, we got you know, more of the uh, the Big Show show, um, and not his <laughs> Netflix one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, overall, the show was entertaining, but just it, it dragged in the middle so much. And then every, no offense, but like I kind of watched these back to back. No offense to the big show, but every time I saw him on the next episode, I was just like, oh my God, not again.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think it's fair because like they have him as such, like, fair enough, have him as a heel. You know, he's a seven foot tall giant, but they have him in the role of a whiny heel, which is
1: just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't care, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just shut up. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, dragged down because of Big Show, but overall, not a bad show. I, I'd give it a 3.5 out of 5. Mm-hmm. We usually do kind of a thumbs up, thumbs and real thumbs down kind of thing here, because I hate, I hate doing number ratings because I'm too lazy. It would be thumbs in the middle then, for sure with a slight tilt towards the up. I think I,
0: I'd agree, because I agree there are some things that lag or don't really do much, but I think there are quite a few things that, uh, that do serve a purpose. You know, the Dudleys are getting over. He mm-hmm. uh, and Christian aren't at the moment. You know, with skills. you got Kane and a like, big storyline development with Xbox, showing again why he's a dick. And then you had the fun, hardcore match in the middle, and then you can see that botch spot aside put on a good T V main event and it was so weird to see that Edge small isn't too cool like uh Grandmaster and Scotty too Haughty getting in the mix with Big Show Triple H and the Rock but it's just a show when you've got a good enough game that's over then WE will just push you in with anybody.
1: Yeah, and, and the one thing I will say too um with regards to Kane uh I, I'm very curious to ask actually was this after the tag team with Xbox?
0: Yeah, he and Xbox broke up in October when okay. when formed it and then they feuded for a couple of months. You know, they had a, a really, i a match. I think I'd recommend a lot of people go by. It's like one it of the best matches ever. I think they had a steel cage match at Armageddon the year before, which is a, a hell of a match. And then the feud they, was a bit quiet after Troy went with Xbox. And then obviously it again at the, the Rumble and then this happened.
1: Got you. Okay. Yeah. I was very confused about that because I remembered them teaming up, and I'm like, well, Xbox did this before the tag team. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. I'll have to go back and watch that Steel Cage match. I'm not, I don't remember that one. But
0: I also asked, okay, as well as a rating, I'd say, is there what, if they had to choose one moment or a match, they recommend to somebody, or oh, go back and watch this one thing from this episode, what would it be?
1: Crash Holly. Anything with Crash Holly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can I can definitely agree with that. I think I'd lean more so if you wanted just to just remember how weirdly insane and fun this year could be, watch the Hardcore title match.
1: Yeah, that would be my runner-up. Uh, that Hardcore title match is so fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think we've perfectly surmised just how, how much of a mixed bag this episode was, but uh, Damien I thank you for joining me for this first episode uh, For people unfamiliar with you And what you you do uh, Give them your plugs and let them know what you've got going on
1: Yeah so uh, you can follow me On Twitter at Damien Underscore Miller D-A-M-I-A-N underscore Miller M-I-L-L-E-R um, You'll hear me talk about a lot of pro wrestling Or uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, American football team I scream about them all the time <laughs> You can follow me uh, doing that ridiculous stuff There Uh, Check out my podcast, where I am one-third of the three-man power trip. We are the worst wrestling podcast. Uh, Dropping this coming Monday, as we're recording this on a Saturday, we will be dropping our best of show, the best of 2020. So hopefully a little bit of levity from that. And uh, go back and check out our back catalog. We don't do a lot of the, uh, the traditional... Weekly recaps and stuff like that We try to keep everything a little bit more uh, Grounded into Discussions and stuff like that But yeah, so you can check me out there as well And that's on all streaming platforms
0: Very good uh, You can find me on Twitter At 1996 Follow Rogue Opinions at Rogue Underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram uh, Go back to our backlog, I mentioned the uh, Kind of watch along You can check out me, Jimmy and Nathan Getting progressively more drunk that I'm talking less and less about the actual show we're watching. (laughs) You can check out uh, all the other episodes uh, of this podcast and we've got some good stuff going on. Me and Jeremy and Nathan are trying to get together to do some uh, Christmas related content uh, before the end of the year. Uh, Check out my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling podcast at SP Rambling. uh, We're doing an episode where we rank every Frasier Christmas special from worst to best and we've got an upcoming review of In Your House Five Seasons Beatings made invented by Britt Hart and the British Bulldog. Uh, and also, oh, on Monday, when you hopefully should be hearing this, uh, at 7 o'clock British time uh, on is our YouTube channel, Quiz Showdown 6, Merry Christmas to You Filthy Animals, is going live on YouTube. Where um, it's, a, it's a wrestling quiz with a Christmas twist, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. I had a lot of mm-hmm. fun recording that. And I think that's all the stuff I need to plug. And you wanna know, once again, thank you for
1: joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yo, you dealing with the X Factor? I got everything I ever Yo. wanted, and I'll never Yo. give that back. Yo Oh, I know you hate that X Factor, Yo. but you ain't gotta look at me like that. I said you ain't gotta look at me like that. Revolution. I know you're
0: watching. What you, well, what you looking at? What you looking at? It will be televised. What you
1: looking at? You run around pulling stunts like that She never in my life could I front like that I ain't caught like that I couldn't run like that I'ma keep it non-fiction and take my hat oh, oh. Remember back when they oh. I spent a lot of money and time on whims, I remember the crew, remember the good times, remember the orange and I remember the sunshine, it's all gone, that's the thing of the past, the fact remains that it moves real fast, so while you sit around hoping things won't change, I'll be sitting pretty singing, hey, Rocky Wave, I gotta tell you baby, life's been good to me, and I know that makes you fat, that's Everything I ever wanted, and I'll never give that back. Oh, I know you hate that That's bag, status. but you ain't gotta look at me like that. I said you ain't gotta look at me like that. What you looking at? What you looking
0: at? What you looking at?